Welcome to the Tax Girl Podcast, your home for tax news, tax info, and tax policy. In each episode, I'll share conversations about taxes, money, and the choices we make. I'm your host, Kelly phillips Herb, Tax Girl. I'm a tax attorney, and I work with taxpayers and tax practitioners like you every day. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. It's been quite the year for tax and accounting professionals. We all know that it's been a long slog, deemed Marchternity on Twitter, but is there light at the end of the tunnel? According to the 2021 Accountants' Confidence Report, tax and accounting professionals have confidence that their own clients, their firms, and their personal finances will improve over the next 12 to 18 months. But they're pessimistic on the overall outlook for small businesses and the U.S. economy in the same time period. Some key reasons for the gloomy take? Concern about the future of tax compliances for businesses, especially smaller businesses, in the wake of increasingly complicated tax laws. To talk about what that landscape might look like and what might flip that outlook, I've invited Sona Akmakjian to the program. Sona is Avalara's executive, leading global account partnerships and programs, a CPA with 29 years of transactional tax services and automation experience. Sona is recognized for her deep industry expertise. Her vision is to offer innovative solutions that enable firms to support clients with end-to-end scalable global solutions. She advocates for global, strategic, mutually beneficial relationships with all accounting firms. Sona has experience in multiple tax segments, including Big Four, state agency administering sales and use taxes, tax software, and mid-sized firm consulting. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you, Kelly. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited that you're here because this is something that we've talked about a lot on Twitter and also I think in some of the other social media about it's been this really long year (laughs) for a lot of tax and accounting professionals. And I think that, you know, now that maybe because we're actually taping this right after the extensions just ran on uh, pass-throughs coming up on uh, extensions for individuals. So, you know, there may be a little bit of a break coming up for tax professionals. And I think that folks are going to kind of take some time, hopefully, to reflect on what this year has been like and what it means for the coming year. So I think time-wise, this is a terrific time to have this conversation. So why don't you kind of start us off with what are the things that tax and accounting professionals are concerned about? Well, Kelly, you know, it has been a rugged couple of years, right? And I say that from a legislative standpoint, and I say that from the pandemic standpoint, and it's been challenging for businesses of all sizes and tax professionals all around. And you referenced the um, the study, and I want to talk a little bit about that. So the CPA trendline study was done back in March, April, May timeline of this year. So right when things were starting to open up, but then closed down a little bit. So it was still, we thought we were out of the woods, but not quite. And what we did with this study is we interviewed more than 500 accountants. And the finding was quite alarming, but not surprised, right? And there's mm-hmm. a couple of things from the study that really stuck out in my mind. Number one was that 98% of accountants see that a majority of small businesses have some degree of non-compliance with the Wayfair sales tax regulation. 
Mm-hmm. I expected that percentage to be high, but uh, frankly, it, that is a high percentage. Yes, very. Yeah. The other thing that surprised me is that how 52% of accountants think that keeping up with technology changes is having an impact on small businesses. And the flip side of that, they felt that more than 54% of accountants agree that their own technology needs improvement as well. So, you know, these are alarming results, but I do want to take kind of a, let's talk through the journey that led us here. But before I do that, just to make sure the audience understands what Wayfair is. Wayfair was a ruling that was passed in 2018 that said that states now have a collection and reporting responsibility in states that they have don't have physical presence in. So what did that do? They were trying to simplify things. But Kelly, you know, your background, you know this. Every time we try to simplify something, we make it more complicated. And that's exactly uh, what happened here. Yeah, I always quote Scorsese when he says simple is hard, right? Because this is what this reminds me of. Yeah. So now let's talk about a small retailer running a business from their house, right? They were selling tangible personal property all over the nation, but they had a physical presence, let's say in California only, and they only had to collect and remit taxes in California. With this Wayfair ruling, it introduced complexity. They now had potentially reporting and collection responsibility in the states that they sold, in the states that they had economic presence in. And of course, the complexity is overwhelming. There's tiers and, and uh, tolerances set up by each state. And of course, there's no consistency, some based on revenue, others volume. It just complicated things so much. And, and for our listeners, the, the difference is, you know, a, somewhere like Amazon that might not have a physical presence everywhere, but has is selling, you know, they're big, right? So they are able to hire lots of folks to figure out all these rules. But when you mentioned small businesses, and I think you said California, that could be an Etsy seller that is just sending out cozies to South Carolina or to Missouri. So, you know, all of a sudden they may have this sales tax requirement and they don't have an army of accountants and tax preparers to help them sort it all out. Exactly. And, and you know, marketplaces have their own rules, but, you know, that same retailer, now the pandemic hits, right? We all went into survival mode. Accountants, business owners, and e-commerce activity picked up. Mm-hmm. Considerably, yeah. People met those tolerances I was talking about. So it created a reporting and collection responsibility that became really difficult to manage. And so that justifies some of these high percentages. And the struggles were regulatory, but also technology too. Accountants struggled too, because they now, their clients are coming to them, need assistance, and they too didn't have the automated uh, processes to really address that. So they went into this mode of educating people, trying to help them, but their processes were manual. So it's created a terminal. Right. And you have to factor in as well that at the same time that tax professionals are trying to figure out these changing sales tax laws, they might also, especially, you know, for smaller businesses, tax professionals who specifically cater to smaller businesses, they're also trying to sort out all of the pandemic rules that are, whether it's PPP or ERC or something else that's changing, 
So it's a lot that's changing all at one time and trying to keep all that sorted, I think, is just really stressful for practitioners. I think that's probably why they're looking at their clients and thinking, I'm not sure that they're all compliant because everything's changing so quickly and not just sales and use taxes, but taxes generally. Exactly. And you asked, what does the future hold, right? So we're here now and businesses continue. I think accountants are still trying to educate people, but they're trying to ensure that there is compliance. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've talked to a lot of accountants and and not just CPAs, but enrolled agents and bookkeepers. And, you know, sometimes they're struggling getting these small companies to be in compliance. And why do you think that is? You know, some of it is lack of education and awareness, but uh, there is a component there that is all way to be caught. Right. Yeah. Why fix it? I'll deal with it when somebody is knocking on my door. And that's concerning for for a lot of people out there because states, I I think, are going to get aggressive. Well, and I think that that goes back to cost, right? Like there is a cost of compliance. Like there is, whether you're talking about technology or more returns or whatever it is, it's more expensive. And I think that's one of the reasons that you do have this, I'll wait and see if I get caught because maybe they don't believe that they have the resources to dedicate to that right now. And that's where that education piece comes back. Like it is important for, I think, for tax professionals to let clients know what are the real life consequences if you wait to get caught? Because it's always worse when you wait to get caught than if you come forward. Especially with sales tax, right? Unlike income tax, sales taxes you collect and remit. Mm-hmm. And when you're caught, it's too late to go back and collect. So it becomes money out of your bottom line. So I think some um, businesses fail to recognize that as well. Right. And there's a difference uh, in the way that those taxes are treated for all kinds of reasons, whether it's bankruptcy or statute of limitations or, or whatever it is, because the, the taxes that you're collecting are considered trust fund taxes typically. So it's not your money, right? It's someone else's money that you had collected and now you need to turn over. So states may view that very differently than they would just, for example, failure to pay income tax. Exactly. And, you know, I don't see how compliance can be achieved in this world without automation. A lot of companies, accountants and and companies have really turned to technology. That's how they survived the pandemic. They sold through technology, right? Mm -hmm. So I do think compliance is going to be achieved through technology and being in the technology space for so many years, you know, the offerings out in the market have really improved. Back in 30 years ago, when I started this, there were technology options, but they were more geared towards larger companies. Mm-hmm. Now there's great technology options for smaller companies and um, it doesn't have to, and the prices can be reasonable for a lot of companies, but looking at the accountants, there's a lot of technology options for them as well to leverage, to ensure their clients are in compliance. So definitely technology options are more scalable, they're more affordable, and they're more efficient these days than they used to be. And can you give us an example? Like when you're talking about technology, are you talking about software packages? Are you talking about cloud services? Like what is kind of included when you think about technology that can help small businesses and tax professionals? I'll 
talk a little bit about what Avalara has to offer, right? So as a small company, you're selling from your house or you're, you're using QuickBooks, you're using uh, NetSuite, you're using whatever system you're using to, to sell your products. Avalara has solutions that integrate with those systems. So anytime you're in QuickBooks you or on an e-commerce site, the tax calculation is automatically done based on who you're selling to, where you're shipping, and what your reporting responsibility is. So you don't need to research anything. The system does that. And those are kind of affordable solutions because they're based on how much you're using the product and they're completely cloud solutions. So there's no infrastructure cost to a company. I think integration is something that is really key right now. Because I think a lot of smaller businesses are worried not only about the cost, but also about data migration. Like, how is this going to interfere with my business if I take the time to switch over? But a lot of these systems you're suggesting already would integrate with what you have. So it's not reinventing the wheel. It is, let's see what we can build on what you already have. Is Am I understanding that correctly? You hit that right on the head, Kelly, because, for example, Avalara has more than 1,000 integrations that are out of the box so that getting onboarded and and using the systems becomes very efficient. Mm -hmm. And the integrations are very powerful because it's the means by which you get the data in and out and calculation. But I think calculation is one part of the story, right? You calculate the taxes, you know, but then you have to file the reports and remit them. And uh, that's the second part of the solution. And we have what we call Avalara for accountants. And as part of this vision and portfolio, there's solutions that the accountants can use to do that process for your clients. So that's quite powerful and a new focus area for Avalara. And I think, again, I, I kind of keep looping back to this, but I think that, you know, I, I've had a few folks on the program on Jody Paydar, and I've talked to Jerry Moosey, and, you know, I've talked to a few folks in the tax world that have been focusing on um, increased use of technology. And, and, you know, one of the things that we keep coming back to is, you know, there is this learning curve and the need for integration, I think, is just huge because no matter where you are on the spectrum already, the idea of doing something new can be really daunting, especially if you are, as we mentioned, you know, feeling overwhelmed by what's happened over the last year and a half. And it's been a really stressful year and a half for a lot of people. And the idea of picking up something new, I think, is just really frightening for a lot of folks. It is. And change management is always challenging, regardless to who you are, an accountant or a small company or a large company. But, you know, I, I think the other piece of this, Kelly, is resources now. If you can't embrace technology, which is going to allow you to scale your business and add efficiency, add accuracy, you're going to have to throw, body, to throw bodies at it. And there's, you know, there's, the resource limitation out there is real at mm-hmm. all levels. Oh, absolutely. And that was actually something that Jody and I did talk about, because I think that automation scares a lot of people because it feels like it's taking over work that people can do. But one of the things that she and I had talked about before, and I think it's very true in this case as well, when we're talking about the need for compliance, is that it does free up other resources. So if you only have a payroll where you can hire five people, you don't have one person necessarily doing data entry now because you can automate that. And that means that that extra person can be doing something else. And I know that in the report, they were talking about the need for clients to be more innovative. 
You can't be more innovative when you're already stretched, right? So having that extra person available to not type data entry in, but maybe think about new ways to promote products or something else. I think that that is a real boon, right? But I don't think people always think about it that way. I think they get scared. Like, what if I'm taking away a job? But actually, you're probably creating an exciting new opportunity. Exactly. And why spend time doing tasks that can be automated when you can shift those resources to more value-added tasks that could benefit your organization, whether you're an accountant or a company? Right. Yeah, I think that's huge. It is. It is. And, you know, people are burned out, too. It's been a rough year Mm -hmm. or a couple of years now. (laughs) I mean... Right. We've had to work where we live. We had to live where we had to work. We had to be educators to our children and do homeschooling and try to maintain a family life. I mean, it's been challenging at all fronts. And for accountants, it's been especially challenging because they were essential workers, right? Mm-hmm. They were trying to figure things out, but at the same time, advise their clients. So it's been a rough couple of years. I personally like to think that worst is over. I'm very optimistic. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> My kids are back in school, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> Mine too. I can't, at the risk of of sounding, I know that, that people are kind of tired of, I think, about hearing people talk about school, but gosh, it can't be overstated the amount of time that parents have had to devote to becoming, you know, not only teachers and homeschoolers, but technology gurus and figuring out different platforms for virtual school and all of this. And it's taken so much time away from learning your craft, right? Like the time that you've been spending trying to figure out the school's, uh, you know, online platform is time that you couldn't spend figuring out the newest tax laws. I think, you know, when you you think about how much time these little things, just like kids not being in school, have contributed to the overall mental health, I think, of of tax professionals, I think is significant. I have a completely different level of respect to educators out there. And I shout out to you guys. Thanks for all you do, because let me tell you, they make it look easy, don't they? I was was (laughs) struck by, I don't know if you saw the, uh, it it went viral on Twitter. There was an elementary school teacher that had developed these little signs that she would hold up to teach her kids like to hit mute or not to, you know, to do all of the functions because they were, I think, five or six years old. And I was amazed at both her patience and her innovation in uh, working with those kids. And it was actually inspiring on a lot of levels, not just like, wow, teachers are amazing, but also like, how cool is it that she learned to think out of the box that quickly and educate her students. And I think that's a lesson that we can all take into our own professions, right? Like this adaptation is amazing. It is. And it's what we were talking about, right? Be innovative. Think outside of the box. How do you grow your business? How do you automate things that you can? How do you add accuracy, efficiency, and scalability to your business? Mm -hmm. How do you deal with change management? You know, just be open-minded because that's where the future is all about. Exactly. So when you talk, when you think about future, I know you mentioned earlier in the program that you thought states were going to become more aggressive. A lot of states have more revenue than they they had before. Do you think that's going to inspire them to go see what else they can collect? Do you think that they're going to 
some states are going to sit back a little bit and think, why rock the boat? We had a banner year. I think Virginia was one of the states that had a particularly flush year. Do you see any immediate reactions to state revenues? Do you think there are differences in the way that states are viewing these? Like, what do you think they're going to do with this information? So a couple of things, Kelly. First of all, I agree with you. I think states have more money thanks to wafer passing before the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. But I think some of the locals may not. So it really depends uh, the level of the jurisdictions. I think the last two years have been hard even for the states to cope with the new reality. But it's, uh, you know, I think once we're past that, they're going to be the regulatory figure again, and they're going to seek compliance from a lot of these companies. So I think that once the pandemic is over, things open up and stable, which is the direction we're going, there mm-hmm. will be the right, re- they will be the regulatory figure and expect compliance from everyone. The other thing we haven't talked about is I think states are becoming more data savvy and technology savvy themselves, right? Yes. They're sharing data across different authorities within a state. Some states are sharing data across, you know, some states are becoming smarter about how they collect taxes faster, right? I think mm-hmm. Massachusetts is one that is really investing in real-time collection. I was going to ask you about that because I know there's a big push in, I mean, not to, not to sidetrack this line of thought, but just when you said real-time um, collection, this is something I know they've been pushing in Europe. Do you think we're going to see more of that here? I think we are. I think we are definitely. Um, I want to say to Massachusetts, they have a multi-year a program. And what they're trying to do is when the credit card charges for the transaction, mm-hmm. the taxes would be a separate line item and they would be remitted to the state. I think that's where we're going to be in the future. That's amazing. True. But, you know, if, they, if that's something that they can do from state to state, that would be amazing. Yep. I think that's what I see the trend over the next few years. It's pretty cool. Going back to when you were talking about some, um, so, you know, you, you see states uh, becoming more data savvy and also sharing data. Do you see any concerns with the sharing of data? Because I know that when, um, I think it was Colorado, when there was a conversation about what they would and would not share with other states, there was, there was some pushback. Do you think there would be continued pushback or do you think that we're all becoming kind of used to the idea that data is being shared? I think we're going to kind of get used to it, to be honest with you. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And I remember back in the days, Kelly, when cloud solutions were just starting, right? And my initial, I was in the big four at the time. I thought, well, tax directors certainly are not going to want data on the cloud. But look at us now. That's the way everybody's using cloud solutions, whether it's SAP, Oracle, QuickBooks, everything is in the cloud. So I think it's transformation and time will allow mm-hmm. us all to adapt. I think that's true too. Yeah, I can see where, you know, there's always going to be hesitation, right, with with adopting new new technologies. But I do think that it makes sense for the states because it's faster and more efficient for them. You talked about the future. Just one thought I want to put out there, you know, where do I think states are going to become the regulatory whether they're going to be aggressive, I don't know, but they're going to be a regulatory force and they're going to demand compliance. My advice, whether you're a company or a practitioner, is to embrace technology. Cloud solutions are here to stay, and that's the only way we're going to be, all be more efficient doing what we're doing, whether we're selling, 
whether we're consulting, regardless in our personal lives, professional lives, cloud technology is how we're going to all survive. It's actually interesting since you mentioned the cloud component earlier. What would you say to tax professionals who are hesitant because they are worried about security or other problematic uses when it comes to technology and data privacy? Is, is Do you have any uh, words of wisdom for folks who are a little reluctant to get on the bandwagon? Like they're worried about like maybe what else their data might be used for? You know, I think from a security standpoint, a lot of these software companies, I, I can speak for Avalara, they have all the right controls in place. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're a tax person concerned about the tax, but look at your financial systems you're using, you can be the Fortune 100 on SAP or a QuickBooks user. It's all in the cloud. Everything is in the cloud. As long as they have the right controls in place, I think we we just need to embrace it. Ask the questions, right? Ask how data is being used. Ask mm-hmm. how they're ensuring security of your data. But we we're just we're all headed in that direction. I think I feel like that ship has already sailed. Yes, it's probably true. Yeah. What do you think about? Some of these challenges with digital streaming, do you think that that's going to change the way that we view sales tax? Like the fact that so much, you know, there was a, a point where we were arguing about whether or not you needed a brick and mortar place, right? Where are you selling? That was kind of the first iteration. And that's what led to Wayfair. And now we're looking at, I think, more what are you selling? Are you selling a service? Are you selling a product? Is it downloadable? Like, what do you think comes of that? Well, I, I think that definitely things are changing. Even Europe made changes when, with dig, digital streaming. States are always looking at j- changes in how things are being sold and what is being sold and trying to decide what the taxability should be and how they can secure some of that revenue. When you think about sales and use taxes, there's a number of things driving the taxability of it, whether it's digital goods, whether it's tangible personal property or its services. Number one is who the buyer is. Number two is what am I selling? Number three, oftentimes, is how is it being used? Mm-hmm. Am I a nonprofit? I'm, am I a hospital? Uh, how am I going to use it? Am I using it in research and development? And, or I'm, am I using it as samples that I'm giving away? So sales and use taxes are quite complicated because there's multi-dimensional components, but that those are some of the key elements of, you know, that drive the taxability. Right. And so kind of thinking back, you mentioned at the beginning, we were, well, we were both talking about how it had been such a challenging year, and you said that you're optimistic that things are changing. What do you think will be the big stories with respect to sales and use tax and technology in 2022? I think the big story is going to be that people are going to adopt technology, whether you're an accountant or a company, because those that didn't have the technology, Kelly, during the pandemic struggle, and they really scrambled to get their hands on that technology and survive. So I think digital transformation has been a focus area for a lot of people out there, but the pandemic has forced them to expedite that process. And I think that that trend is going to continue in 2022. People are still going to continue to embrace cloud technology and they're going to try to scale their businesses and they're going to try to grow leveraging automation. I agree. I think that's exactly where things are headed. 
Well, thank you so much. I think this has been really valuable for our listeners. If they wanted to find you either on the web or on social media and you wanted to be found, where would you send them? LinkedIn is a, one of the best places you can find me. And my email at Avalara and the Avalara website is also an alternative route. Awesome. And I'll be sure to put all of these links in the show notes so that our listeners can easily find them. Thank you again for being here. I think it was really great. Thank you for having me here. It was a great conversation, Kelly. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can send an email with your feedback to podcast at taxgirl.com. And if you liked it, please share. You can find the audio of each episode at taxgirl.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't have to be.